Reporting in progress. Hey, thanks you for joining my call and um, I'm super happy to be here and to share everything I know about living off grid and living sustainably. Um, I built a house that's completely off grid a few years ago. It's on 18 acres of land here in British Columbia in Canada in the forests. It's a beautiful place and uh, right in the middle of the forest. And before that, I knew nothing about building a house and living off grid. In fact, I came from a place that was probably the most polar opposite of where I am now. I lived in a city in Las Vegas in a three-bedroom house in the suburbs and now have a house in the forests of British Columbia. How did that happen? Uh, not only did that happen, but I also don't have a career that lends itself to be something that would make sense for me to build a house. In fact, I have a career or used to have a career that was the opposite of construction. In fact, I never built anything before I got up here. So uh, before my life in Las Vegas was a professional circus performer. Yes, that's right. I am a circus performer and I have been for many years. And in Las Vegas, I was working for Cirque du Soleil in Ka, one of the big, big shows there. And um, my... Ex-wife and I had decided that we would want to get out of Las Vegas and move to the forest. Our son at the time was five, and we thought it's time to give him a different life than the city of Las Vegas. And if you've been to Las Vegas, you know, it's about lights, gambling, um, fast life, alcohol, drugs, sex, uh, uh, consumerism. And that wasn't the environment that we wanted our son to grow up in. And also, I think we were both quite tired of it as well. We made a trek up towards British Columbia. My parents retired to a city in British Columbia, but we kept driving and ended up in these forests. And one thing led to another, and we decided to give it a try, come up here. And we ended up buying an 18-acre uh, piece of land. Once we bought it, we realized, well, what are we going to do on it? We're going to build. How are we going to build? And we spent a year living in an RV completely off-grid, almost two years, in fact, no running water, no electricity, just two solar panels. So we really had the minimalist experience living in, um, you know, living in Las Vegas, uh, sorry, living in, in the forest of British Columbia. And then we built the house. So uh, my little presentation here is divided in three parts. Just my intro. Second part, I'm going to show you some photos um, of, you know, the, what the house looks like, but also my life previously in Las Vegas and around the world when I was a professional circus performer. And then the third part, I'm going to go through something that I call the off-grid starter kit. And what that is, is a little guide that kind of walks you through uh, some of the main key things to think about. And it's a PDF and I'll also send it to Natalie in case you would like to, to get a, to download it as well. So let me show you some photos um, because I'll give you an idea of what it really looked like. Oh, that was a shot. Uh, right here is me as a circus performer way back when. I mean, this is actually a few years ago. Uh, this is a while ago performing on a stage, doing some handstands. I taught a lot of circus, uh, me doing some tricks. So, you know, I show you these photos because um, I think sometimes when you have a dream to live in a forest or live off grid or, you know, a lot of people I've talked to, uh, they think they have to have some sort of background in construction or you've got to be a lumberjack of some sort or you got to be really comfortable living in the, you have, like you're a hiker, you're a camper and that's all you do all summer. And, and so then you'd be suited for living off grid. Um, 
but no, I was a circus performer. So what does, how does that qualify me to build a house and live, live, in a, live off grid? It totally doesn't, which means anything is possible. So I want to encourage you to think that way. This is a shot of the RV that we put on the property in the beginning. That little shed next to it houses a wood stove. That's how we heated the RV in the winter. It's totally janky, but it works. Um, that was the first fire, first day of, um, you know, uh, being on the property because we had nothing. No fire, no propane, no water. The cooking open on, over an open fire. Two shots of, you know, the build. That's installing the water system. That's me chipping away ice so we could melt snow and ice in the winter so we could have some, you know, water to wash dishes with. A few more shots of the actual construction. I'm not going to go through all of these, but I'll talk briefly about some of the things during construction afterwards. Uh, that's me doing a headstand on the chimney that I built to my house. Not recommended. It's not the best place to do headstands, but I couldn't resist. And so, as you can see, it's basically a regular house. And there's the final final product, uh, house in the country. There's our solar panels. There's 16 of them on a bright, sunny day there. And on the inside, we built uh, some anchors for trapezes or circus performers. So... Everything was very, very custom. And a few shots in the winter. Yeah. So anyway, um, so just a, a few pictures to show you that, yes, I was a circus performer. And yes, I actually built a house. And that's what it looks like. So I want to go to the next part, which is talking a little bit about um, off-grid living, the starter kit that I wrote and kind of take you through it a little bit. So let me take you through the first few pages. There you go. Uh, as you can see, um, this is a quote that I really love because I feel like it sets the mindset for all of us. Love the world as your own self, then you can truly care for all things. And for me, what that means is that uh, this journey about living off grid is not about building a house really, or even recycling and reducing. It's really about, uh, what I really learned is the more I learned to love myself or accept myself, uh, the more I actually wanted to protect and take care for the environment around me. I think there's a little bit of, um, a discord when we take really good care of the things around us, but we're not actually taking care of ourselves. And if you take the approach of going inwards to outwards, so start with what happens on the inside first, and that's going to permeate outwards. Um, I kind of learned that taking care of myself from a, a mental and emotional standpoint was key to building something that really made sense in the environment. Hope that makes sense. Uh, let's go back to my little starter kit. I'm going to jump ahead to these things right here uh, called the four key questions. Number one, what drives you? So before you start uh, um, doing any kind of build, you know, you really have to understand for you what your why is, because you will encounter many, many, many challenges along the way. 
whether it's over budgeting, whether your construction guy doesn't show up on time or at all, or something breaks during the construction, or you build something and it doesn't go quite right, or maybe your relationship suffers, or maybe your family is on board, but then they're not on board. Uh, maybe you are looking at a piece of land, you put a an offer on it and you're all gung ho about it and you sell your other property and then the deal falls through. There's so many ways that things will present themselves as challenges. What is your real why behind all of this? And I actually didn't completely know right away, but I knew I was very passionate about living off grid and living sustainably as much as I could. And I think in the end, again, going back to that quote, it's about returning to the sense of self-love. The more I take care of the environment, it's a reflection of actually what I want to do for myself, which is um, really practice self-love. I think that is one of the hardest things that I have as a challenge is to consistently daily moment by moment practice self-love. If I can do that, I think I can also direct that more effectively to the people in the environment around me. The environment being the people, being the trees, being the land, being that piece of plastic that I just chucked out the window because ah, it's a piece of plastic. And it all comes down to mindset. That's my belief. Um, the other one is, are your relationships solid? Number two, as you consider moving to some sort of sustainable build or making a big move from the city into nature, you're probably going to do it with a group of people unless you're single and by yourself. But maybe you are in a relationship. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you're going to bring your parents with you. Who knows? Um, maybe you can do this with your best friend or a partner. Um, really question and ask, is your relationship solid? Are all your communications um, in line? And are you are you able to weather the storm together? And kind of ask those questions. Uh, that was the third point about how well do you communicate? And number four, what is your exact dream? Align your visions exactly and do it as much and as long, spend as long as you can preparing, writing it down. Each one, maybe writing down a few paragraphs of what you want, getting out vision boards and cutting up pictures or putting to a collage on, on Pinterest and, and see if those things line up. You do it on your side. I do it on my side. Don't do it together. Somebody might compromise because, oh, I want to do it your way then. So make your own separate visions and then compare them and see if they aligned. That is one of the most key things that I think I didn't do in the beginning. And even not talking about the build or sustainability, creating a grand vision with two people, or maybe it's three people. Uh, maybe your kids are older and they, they need to have a say. So align it with that first. That's my number one, number one point. Um, I'm going to talk about a few essential components and... Let's take a look at that. And the first one is mindset. And the first most important thing before you even design anything or build anything is what's your mindset? How are you going to approach this whole thing? And the reason why I think this is so important, back to that there. The reason why I think that's so important is because if you bring your mindset, the way you think about energy use and the way you live, from the city into the forest, I think you're going to have a lot of failed expectations. You're going to be very disappointed or you're going to build the house improperly. You're going to build it basically not efficiently. So the first question I asked was not, how do I just transfer my standard of living from the city into the forest? First, first question I asked is, how do I reduce my dependency on energy, period, or resources? How do I do that? How can I minimize my dependency on 
using electricity, using water, um, using heating, using cooling, which uses power of some sort. And what can I live with minimally in terms of space, in terms of storage, in terms of uh, some of the uh, more comfortable luxuries of modern day living, garages and all that kind of stuff, right? We kind of take it for granted living in a city. Um, you can leave the light on, big deal. You get charged a few more cents, dollars at the end of your energy bill. You leave your lights on, on an off-grid power, battery powered system house and you come back home with no batteries. So it's very different. So the first thing is, how do I minimize my use of electricity? What can I do? And starting with that question made me design differently. So a lot of people, when they start thinking about sizing for solar panels, especially maybe oh, I'm going to go to a cabin or build a house off grid, is what they do is they calculate using many online calculators how much electricity you use. I run the dishwasher. I turn on the lights for this long. Um, I've got my television on and it uses X amount of kilowatts. And that's how much I need to bring into the country. And suddenly you have this massive requirement for a huge solar system and lots of batteries and the system is twice as expensive, let's say, okay? So think about how you can minimize your use of electricity. I'm gonna get into that next here. Um, so that allowed me to start thinking about the most important thing, which is called the building envelope. The building envelope is basically your walls, your roof, your floor, uh, your doors and windows. So everything that creates the shell of the house. And I started thinking about that because um, one of the most important things about the building envelope is that it's efficient. And one of the most important things I did with the design was I took my design to a professional who did energy audits and they plug your design the size of your house, the walls, the type of windows you plan to use, the type of insulation you type you to use into a software, which does a calculation of your energy efficiency of your house. That was amazing because I was able to, to at least get an estimate of how efficient my house was energy wise before I even built it, right? Even before I went to like final designs. So we experimented with different types of materials, different wall thicknesses, different types of windows, different shapes of the house. And it turns out the most efficient shape is a square or a rectangle, just four walls. And from the energy audit, I was able to already um, simplify the design so that the energy was straightforward and simple, like the amount of energy used. Um, so we didn't put any nooks and crannies into the wall and we didn't make like an entire wall out of made of, made of windows which would have resulted in, in more energy loss, right? It also affected how big our overhangs were because if the sun wasn't shining through the windows and it was protected by an overhang, then we're saving on, on um, uh, cooling in the summertime, right? We're not trying to cool the house because the sun is shining in through these giant, beautiful, big windows, but it's toasting everybody inside. Okay, so those are the considerations on that one. Um, let's jump ahead to the next one. And the next thing I learned about living off grid was that water is the most important thing on the planet. And I know it's cliche. Everybody knows that you drink water, you're made of 75% water. But when you start living in a condition where you actually really have to get the water yourself, it doesn't come through a, a pipe, you know, powered or functioned by operated by the, by the municipality. Um, it becomes really key. When we moved onto the property and lived in the RV, uh, there was a well on the property, but 
um, the first thing I did was install a hand pump because we didn't have power to drop a regular well in there. So I dropped that, I bought a hand pump, a modern hand pump. Um, and there I am in this picture. And I'm pumping water every few days by hand. And it would take two hours to fill up uh, a 500 liter or 200 liter cistern. So it took a long time. And so when you work for your water, guess what? You don't waste it. And so we made we made it through every day uh, on less than five liters of water a day, which is totally unheard of. Like, look how many liters it takes. Just it takes you flush five liters of water when you flush the toilet once, and a day and one day for a family of three in the RV, we managed to get by without using more than about five liters because it was a lot of work to get the water once we installed the pump. Before that, it was even more work because we would melt snow and collect rainwater and all that stuff. Um, so when you work for your water to get it, you realize how valuable it is and how much you want to preserve it. And also how little you actually need. You don't need to take three showers a day. You don't need to flush the toilet every time you take a pee. In fact, we didn't even have a toilet. We had a bucket. That's where we peed and pooped. And then we took it out to a compost area and dumped it out there and covered it with sawdust or whatever we had. Hey, dirt. Um, so... It, it it really, uh, water was such a major thing. Um, so that was the first thing I did when we started building the house was to make sure we had a system of water. And again, applying the question, where can I reduce my use for energy and power is we had the well at the bottom of the property and our property is up on a slope and a hill. So I decided that I thought the best thing to do is to do a gravity fed water system. So I put a cistern, dug out a big hole, put it, dropped a cistern with an excavator at the top of this hill, 100 vertical feet up, and ran uh, some pipes all the way to the cistern and then pipes down to eventually where the house would be built. Put all that together, had zero experience in underground plumbing, and basically learned on the way and fitted, figured out which fittings and, and pipes and, and how much, how what diameter would work to pump enough water up to the cistern without too much pipe friction, all that kind of stuff I had to learn. That's why the internet was huge. And now we have gravity fed water. So every time we turn on the tap, there's no power required. It's all fed by gravity. It's consistent at nighttime, at daytime. It doesn't matter. You don't have to, you don't have to turn on a pump. And uh, every time you turn on the water, even if it's in a city or, or in a country, usually in regular houses, a pump turns on or a pressure tank turns on. And that's how you get your water because there's electricity. So again, reducing your need for electricity. Of course, to get it up the hill, we need electricity, but we installed a solar powered pump at the well. So when it's sunny, we pump the water up because it's sunny. And then at the end of the day or the rest of the time, we're just using gravity fed water. So that's one thing to talk about. The next thing is electricity. So what happens with electricity? Everybody thinks the first thing, you know, oh, you're living off grid, how many solar panels you got? Um, kind of important, but not exactly the main question. The main question, again, is how do I reduce my dependency on electricity? How do I make sure that I don't need as much, as much electricity as I think I need or as I use in the city? And the first thing that we did was we wired the house for something called DC power. And AC, you know, if you know something about DC power, you may know something about AC power. AC power is the electric current that runs through your house. It's a plug that you see with the three prongs. And DC power is anything that runs off a battery. It's called direct current. 
And so you have solar panels. DC power is the native power that comes out of solar panels. It goes into the solar into the batteries. And so your house runs on DC power. When you invert DC power to AC power, you have a power loss. So a lot of people build these off-grid systems, and then they keep everything that they need to run power on on an AC circuit. In other words, they're getting DC power in from the solar panels, and then there's a 10 to 30% power loss when you invert DC power to AC power. Here's the kicker. When every time you plug in your computer or your phone, those are battery-operated machines, and those blocks that you stick into the wall outlet that go to your phone or your computer, those are converters that convert DC power, AC power back to DC power. And there's another power loss. How do you know? When you touch those blocks, they're warm. That heat is represents power loss. So you have another 10 to 30% power loss. You're not getting 60 to 70, even 60 or 70% of the power you get from the panels just to charge up your computer or your phone. So what we did was we wired our entire house for DC power. All our lights are on DC. Our water pumps are in DC. Uh, our fridge runs on DC power. I got special plugs that uh, powered our computers and phones on DC power. So uh, when we needed AC power, like to run like a vacuum cleaner or something like that, we could flip the inverter on, run it for a period of time, an hour, half an hour, whatever, five minutes, and then we could turn it off again. So that's one of the biggest things we did electrically. And then what it allowed us to do was um, have not necessarily a smaller bank of batteries, but the batteries would last longer. They would never just die or run out. And that's what I've heard from a lot of people. And that's kind of everybody's fear of living off grid. You know, am I going to have enough power to do the things that I need to do? Um, so far, yes. And there are occasions in the middle of winter when it's really dark and it's been snowing a lot. Um, and the batteries are low and, and the solar panels aren't charging up. You could put an inverter or you could put a, a, a generator and hook it up to your system, charge up your batteries. And also what you could do is just don't do your laundry at night. Wait till the day when it's sunnier. Or, you know, if you don't do your laundry, you can do it by hand too. I actually bought a uh, hand-driven um, washing machine. I haven't tried it yet. So um, when I do that, maybe I'll let you know. But... That's the first thing about electricity. So um, let's talk a little bit about transition tips. Okay. So one of the things that allowed me to make this transition and it felt more manageable was to make sure that you have a some source of income that you could move with. And increasingly, I think in today's world, especially post-COVID, where more and more people are comfortable working, you know, remotely, um, this was a key thing for me. And I have uh, a marketing business, so I can do film work and other marketing uh, things um, anywhere I go with a computer. And so that allowed me to move from Las Vegas into the forest, establish a data cell connection for the internet, and still do all my work. In fact, one of my biggest clients um, had no idea that I moved uh, until about a year later. And then I, I was on a big conference call with them. And they said, well, why don't you come into the office on Tuesday? And their main office is in Las Vegas. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't really tell you, but I, I moved. And they go, oh, where'd you go? You moved to LA? Like all the marketing people go to LA. Uh, no, I actually moved into the forests of British Columbia where I live off-grid in an RV, all out in one sentence. It was total silence. And then one person says, 
Oh, I wish I had your life. <laughs> so anyways, um, so that's, uh, that is one of the main things about um, moving. If you can ensure or create or kind of like alter your current work so you can re work remotely, it will be incredibly helpful to, to move out. And then, you know, you can be on land and still do your work. So it doesn't really matter where you are. Live on your land before you build. That was huge for us. We ended up living in an RV for about a year and a half. And we realized that was very important. First of all, it helped us learn how to live minimally. Uh, live with less space, less storage, no water, intermittent electricity from two solar panels. Um, and to make you realize that you can live. It wasn't just like a weekend camping trip or even gone away for a week roughing it in the woods. This is how we were living. And we learned that we could live that way. Was it super comfortable? It wasn't uncomfortable. It was just totally a different experience. Would I want to live like that always? I probably could actually. And, and I think that's the realization um, to let go of a lot of our concepts about space and, and requirements and resources. When you live in a city, things just balloon. You got storage in your garage, fills up with crap. And you realize you don't need half of that stuff. You don't even need 90% of that stuff. Um Let's talk about a few other things. Uh, one of the points I talk about in the transition tips is build it yourself if you can. And the real, real, the for me, the way I the reason why I say that is, um, I think there's a lot of value in delegating things you're not good at or you don't want to do. When uh, we moved off grid and I wanted to build this house, I'm very, very happy that I did because. For a few reasons. Number one, because I wanted to have the experience of building a house and then on top of that, an off-grid house. So I got that. The second reason is there are not, or there were not, and I think there are still not very many people who really understand off-grid living and building. And even though you may not be a builder, and I certainly wasn't, I understood what I wanted to put in the house. There were things I wanted to try. So I said to a regular builder, I say, I want to I want to build this uh, house with these earth tubes, which bring in like uh, geothermal heated and or cooled air into the house. They'd have no idea. And they would have to rely on me to kind of guide them through the build. Um, and I wanted to put all these different systems together into a house that definitely doesn't go into a regular house uh, for construction. And there was nobody to guide me through that. And so if you learn to kind of, manage the project yourself and get on site, pick up that hammer and, and do the stuff yourself. I think you will really get a pulse on your project and you'll get a sense of what's important to do for your house. If you're just delegating this to a general contractor and just telling him, well, we want the walls this way. And there's a chance that your house won't quite get built the way you wanted it. Exactly. Especially if you're in trying to integrate all these different off-grid systems. So consider that. And the last point I'll make is finish what you start. I found that once you start something, you just go through the momentum and do it. If I was building the deck, I would start and I would finish. If I was doing the siding, I'd start it and finish it. And you do those in phases because not everything happens all at the same time. But from, from breaking ground to lockup, which means we had the doors, windows, uh, walls, roof, and floor all put together, was six months. It was a sprint to get that done. So when you get started, sprint and that's why i also say try to create your income online as well so that way you can work 
You can be almost on site with your job. You're not driving an hour back into your site. If you can get internet access, set up your space. Maybe it's an RV or something like that. Set up a small power system, two solar panels or some batteries and get to work. Uh, and then hit that, you know, hit that construction running. All right. Uh, here's a fun little uh, uh, page to share with you here. Seven essential items. These are the things that I think are so important Living off, uh, when you start living off grid. Get a truck. Get a beat-up truck. It's going to get smashed around. I drove my truck up into the forest to cut down deadwood for firewood, and it got banged up and scratched. Don't get a nice new truck. Buckets. Get lots and lots of buckets. You can use buckets from everywhere, from like moving sand to pooping in it to carrying dishes for washing at the creek. Who knows? Cordless power tools, don't skimp on that. I should have bought those three months before I actually bought them. So as soon as you get on the property, buy a nice set of on-sale power tools. Candles and flashlights, that goes without saying. Get a portable generator, a small one that you can pick up easily. It's going to cost more. You can get cheap ones for like 600 bucks, 700 bucks. Don't get those. Get the, the nice Honda ones for 2000 bucks. You won't regret it. You're going to use it a lot to power your construction tools or whatever. Um and get one that you can pick up and move quite easily with a full tank of gas in it. You'll thank me later. A splitter axe, you can be chopping a lot of wood. And internet access, I already talked about that. Try to ensure internet access. A lot of your buildings, I was literally installing the water pumps and going online to see how to install them, watching the install videos, right? So I'm in the middle of the forest watching YouTube videos. It's hilarious. Um, you know what? You might be saying, hey, I um I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Well, uh, I'm not suggesting you go out there and build a house in the forest right away. What I'm suggesting is you start small. And one of the things is a few suggestions. This sounds almost benign, it sounds like silly. Let's say you're living in a city, but this is how I started, just kind of like slowly shifting my mindset. And one thing I did was sounds completely dumb, but I, I, I didn't flush the toilet. I'd pee and then we'd all pee a few times in the toilet. And yeah, it was yellow and it was kind of stinky a little bit and leave a stain in the bowl. And then I flushed once or twice a day. And just that is a change in mindset, right? Because guess what? When we got to the RV, we never flushed because there was no water. We just peed into like, first we peed into sawdust, right? And then we got tired of collecting sawdust. We just peed into the bucket. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter. Um, and then we pooped and it was like, first it was all fancy. We sawdust, cover it with sawdust. And after a while, we're like screw the sawdust, we'd go outside and grab some leaves and throw it on top. Good enough. So, uh, next one, turn off your power appliances. Yeah, of course you're going to cut down on your power bill. Mm -hmm. But, um, what you're really trying to do is you're going to train yourself, train yourself to use less energy. How could you walk or bike? No. Just use your legs. Get around by yourself. Eat food from the wild. This was really interesting, right? Because we know food comes from somewhere, nature-ish, maybe. But now it's like coming from factories, too. Um, make an effort to go out somewhere and forage for berries. Or mushrooms are very good, but you got to read up about them. Don't eat the white ones. Poisonous. Um, but when you forage for food, or maybe you hunt, or maybe you're fish, those are things that kind of make you realize, hey, wait a minute, food comes from somewhere. And when you know the source of it, 
Remember I told you the story about pumping my water? When I pumped my water or we went to the a spring to like collect water in these jugs and that was our drinking water, the value of that resource just skyrocketed because you could see the resource. You could see the origin. When you shoot an animal or you get a fish and then you got to bonk it on his head, at least this is my experience, you realize, hey, wait a minute, this is a living thing that I'm as sacrifices life. I just took its life. I'm not going to waste this food. Now, I don't think everybody thinks this way, but I think we need more people to think this way. So I'm inviting you to consider uh, approaching food and water in that same mindset. Go get it yourself. Once you get it yourself, your mind starts to change that way. Uh, throw nothing away. Let me hop back to here. Throw nothing away. If you can, if you can limit your garbage can to like one bag of garbage, a week, let's say. Maybe you throw your garbage out in the kitchen every like three days. Okay? Try to extend it to a week. Once a week. A bag every week. And then once every two weeks. And then once a month. And then once every three months. And then maybe, and I haven't done this yet, one bag every year. Wouldn't that be amazing? Could you do it? What would you have to do to change in your life to be able to throw one bag of garbage out a year for your family? Not just for yourself. But you, let's say you have a family of three or four. What could you do? What when you ask yourself those questions and challenge yourself that way? So I am about one bag every three weeks, maybe four weeks. And it depends on how everybody else in the household does. Some people come over and just kind of throw a bunch of crap in the garbage can. But we have ways to recycle everything. 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 And also when you buy stuff, how can you buy stuff with less packaging too? So um those are some of the tips. Oh yeah, here we go. Mm -hmm. Let's show you this. Okay, that's my book. Uh, it's on Amazon. And it's called The Off-Grid Living Guidebook because it is the book that I wish I had when I started building my house. Okay, so when I started building my house, I was uh, running around to one expert, to that expert, calling this person, calling this person, doing all this, literally watching YouTube videos and reading articles two hours a night to try and figure out what would be the best system because I knew in like three days I had to like pull the trigger on a purchase of like which type of roof is the best and most efficient and long-term for the money I'm going to get. Right. So uh, fortunately I think I'm a very good researcher because every choice that I made has resulted in very, very good results. So it's been quite a few years living in this house and um, that's great. Um, so that's the book. It's on Amazon. Um, type in Off-Grid Living Guidebook or Alvin Tam, and you'll find it. Amazon.com or Amazon.ca. Uh, a few final tips to kind of share with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Buy my book. Yeah, that's the best tip I have for you. And uh, number two, make three choices to live greener. Try it. You know, try, try it tonight. Be in the toilet and then don't flush. Maybe you already do that. So pee in the toilet like 10 times and then flush. I always say number two, you can flush, right? It's just things. But like peeing, really. I just, I let mine like mellow, yellow. If it's yellow, let it mellow all day. Um, so the most important thing, regardless of where you are on this journey, maybe you're just kind of curious or maybe in your heart, you're like, man, I want to get the out of the city and start a new life and, and, I want to do that, but everybody seems to do that. They already, 
uh, looks like they're like construction people or they're like hardcore campers or hikers or, you know, backwards people. Not true. Not me. I was from the city in Las Vegas. I grew up in cities my entire life. On top of that, my profession had nothing to do with building houses. Um, definitely not as a circus performer. And um, and we did it. So uh, a lot of trial and errors. These are some of the tips. Um, you can email Natalie and I'll send her the PDF for this one. But uh, I really want to encourage you to get out there and give it a try. If whatever spectrum it is, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going from the city, I'm going to go buy uh, land in the forest and, and then and then build a house. You know, that's kind of one extreme, but it could be, I want to start learning about it. And you can, you can buy my book, you can read other stuff, watch a lot of YouTube videos, lots of free stuff out there too. So um, start somewhere though. Is what I encourage you to do and start incrementally. I did. Uh, didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to build a house. It started slow. We put solar panels on our house in Las Vegas. We started recycling. I've made a compost in Las Vegas, in the city. Um, yeah. You know, I started thinking about my water usage. So I'd really cut down on my water usage in Las Vegas. Uh, at that point, I was thinking of almost buying like an electric car, but they weren't quite as good at that time. So anyway, those are all like starter points. So the idea is not, this talk is not about quitting your job or lifestyle in a city and building a house in the forest. This job or this presentation is about slowly adjusting your mindset. Um, and ultimately what I believe it's about uh, really learning to love yourself. The more you learn to love yourself, the more you will take care of things around you. Thank you very much for spending your time with me. And, um, I look forward to talking to you soon, someday down the road.